Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the 832 podcast. And today we're going to be covering some of the more scientific claims against uh, Christianity in our series of apologetics. And today we've got Pastor Brent Vickers from Legacy Church Canton Campus today joining us in our discussion. So how, how are you today, Brent? I am stellar. How are you, Ethan? Thank you for having me on the podcast. You're welcome. You've become a bit of a regular now. Like after your, I feel after, like I don't it. know three or four episodes, you've kind of become a regular on the show. <laughs> I uh, I feel that way. Matter of fact, I had someone who has nothing to do with our church, um, who was uh, who was uh, looking up something something online, and this is a person from like I went to high school with, and they're like, "Yeah, I've really enjoyed being on the podcast." And I was like, "Like our church podcast? Like uh, like uh, no no the." The, the the 832 podcast i watched it the other day and i was like oh well there you go all right right on well, I, I remember it was really interesting we were actually talking when i called you to get you on today we, we talked a little about another instance of that and of course after the phone call i i, I looked you up on on uh, on the google and i actually saw the google nice and i was like oh my gosh yeah i think i think the 832 podcast shows up like fourth in my yeah you know, i know in I my like, stream really neat <laughs> <laughs> so yeah obviously i'm a regular and it's great to be back on the show so yeah all right so the first claim i kind of wanted to tackle today was i need to see how it was originally phrased well, anytime I get to talk about Jesus and Christianity and faith and answer kids' questions or adults' questions, for that matter, uh, is 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 a good day to me. So, right. hit me with something. All right. So, this objection, this claim, since miracles contradict science, they cannot be true. I think this is a neat conversation because we 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 one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this is because when I think of like science and, and stuff you're one of the pastors that comes to mind and since this is since miracles contradict science they can't exist and one of the argu arguments for miracles that i come across is that the evidence like like for for uh the uh, resurrection for example there's more evidence saying that it did happen because of events afterwards right so it makes more sense that Jesus right. was resurrected than it wasn't. And right. the conversations I wanted to talk about was one of the biggest miracles, which was the start of creation. Sure. Today, because well, all of this, there's a lot of things that say it makes more sense that the creation starting was by um, an intelligent creator and that this was a miracle. Well, you're, uh, I, I love this topic because it's something that I struggled with. I was not always a Christian and, uh, and uh, certainly had times in my life when I, my question. And um, the, uh, sorry, I was getting a, a, a cell phone call during your podcast. That's, that's the way my world works. Um, but uh, I've always been a student of science. I'm, I'm not, I would not say I'm a scientist. I have, I have a degree in religion. Um, but I've, I'm a nerd. I'll just be honest. I'm straight. I went straight up kid who went to space camp when he was in middle school nerd. I mean, just 
just hardcore. Matter of fact, a couple of weeks ago, I had the chance to go to the Space and Rocket Center, and I was like, yes, yes, let's talk about the Apollo moon landings, because that is awesome. Um, and I love science. I think, I think science is there, not, um, well, here, let's put it this way. Um, m most people think that there is a war between science and religion, and Number one, if we believe that God is the creator of the universe for us Christians, there is no war then because God then created science. And you're not afraid of things that you create. So when people are just like, oh, my goodness, you know, you know, science, science just proves religion or whatever. Um, no, no, science exists to prove the creation of the, 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 the science exists to prove God. That's that's what science is there for. Science is there to to give us a bigger understanding of God's amazing glory. Um, this last week, I, I had the chance to go to, to, to the beach with my family. And the second night we were there was one of those just crystal clear nights. And I've got my little tracker app on my phone. Did I mention I'm a nerd? You know, that you, you can point up to the sky and it tells you what's constellations and everything like that. And I was sitting there explaining to my kids that God put all these stars, all these universes, you know, in the galaxy, and then at some point decided that, you know what, right over here, I need a sun, and I need to wrap some planets around it, and we're going to put this one little rock, this little rock right at the right, just the, just the right distance from the sun, so it's not too hot, not too cold, it's like Goldilocks and the Three Bears all of a sudden, you know, kind of moment, and uh, you and I were talking about this the other day on our phone call, that most, most solar systems have two stars, and then there's planets, if, if, there's in, if there's planets in the solar system. We are a single star system, which makes us actually kind of an anomaly. And then you get, like I said, that little rock that's rotating just at the right spot. And then God's like, well, here, let me create these things in my image upon it. And just to me, uh, the, the relationship between religion and science is not one of adversary. It's one of, of self of uh you know symmetry and it's one of um it's symbiosis really because it's it's something where natural natural the natural understanding of the natural world and of the universe or whatever and religion aren't at war they're just two different things but they exist to kind of prove each other um, matter of fact um uh roger bacon who is the man who is described uh kind of who's often credited i guess with like um with the creating the scientific method was a Franciscan friar. He was a religious man, but he created what we call the scientific method. And so when, when you look at it, I mean, science doesn't have to be at war with faith at all. Matter of fact, like I said, science is there to prove faith, at least in Brent's mind. So, uh, but that I am off on a wild tangent. I'm not even answering your questions. I'm just ranting at this point. So I apologize. That's it. That's not a good podcast material. We're all about conversation. So. <laughs> now, tell me, uh, tell me some of your specific questions, and let's uh, let's let's kind of dissect some of those. Well, I wanted to talk specifically about let let let's talk about the Christian creation story. And I, sure. I did a bit of reading on this. Uh, specifically, one thing I read was Genesis 1, a scientific perspective written by Hugh Ross, PhD. Okay. I really do it. He's literally, you know, he is a scientist who has looked at this. He's an astrophysicist, question mark, I'm pretty sure. That's <laughs> okay. And so he looks at this and he has th this whole pamphlet is basically talking about how 
the biblical creation story is most scientifically accurate, given if we were to look at um like days, like day one, day two, right? Not as literally twenty four hours, right? But instead, um, periods of time that started and ended. Yeah, you know, um, you know, Ethan, <clears throat> my entire life, I've heard the. the the Genesis story, I mean, from the time I was like in little like children's church and, and then later like Veggie Tales, which I'm too old for Veggie Tales, by the way, but I've seen because, you know, some things are just good. Um, the, you know, the whole um, the whole idea that, you know, God created the earth in seven days and we get so stuck in our own little minds. It's, well, seven days has to be 24 hours because that's what my day looks like. Well, number one, what defines a day? the rising of the setting of the sun, right? Right. Right? Mm -hmm. We would have both agree with that, right? Yes. Does the rising and the setting of the sun ever change? Well, sure. You know, some days it's a little later in the day or it's all about the, how the earth rotates around the sun and how the earth's rotating itself and everything like that. But when you think about it, if you, if you really process the idea, what is, what is the, the measurement of time? Well, that's just something men put together in their idea so that we could have a way to define where we are right now and where we are. So like for us, like we're recording this podcast at like two something in the afternoon on a Thursday. Well, what defines two o'clock? We did. God didn't. I mean, right. Right. What I, defines it as Thursday? I, I, I can't, I can't say the verse. But I've heard of one that says like a year is a thousand days and a thousand years. Yes, and exactly, exactly. And so when people are just like, oh, God made the world in seven days and on the seventh day he rested. So that must be Sunday and we'll take seven days or Sabbath day. Those are all great things. And for the Jewish scholars at the moment, when, when, when they were going from being people of the land, when they, were kicked, when they were kicked out of their homeland and they were going from people of the land where they had told kind of a verbal tradition for generations and generations. That's how the, their history uh, of the Jewish people were passed down. All of a sudden they're kicked out of the land so they can't be people of the land anymore. So they said, well, what we need to do is write down our tradition and write down our understanding of the world so that we, if we can't be people of the land, we will be people of the book, which is how you get the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, if you will, which is also the Torah and blah, 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 blah. But they were trying their best to understand their world. Well. How long did it take for God to create the world? I don't know. How about a week? I mean, it could have been that simple. But what is a week to God? A week could be a million years. We have no concept in our little brains, that little three pounds uh, of stuff up in the yeah. top of our heads, you know. Um, time, time, is a, time is a concept that we completely created. Well, like you said, I, I, and I'm, 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 I'm wanting to Google that scripture right now because I know exactly which one you're talking about. I cannot remember where it is. Um, but that to God, you know, a, a day could be a thousand years. Well, what if it's a million years? And honestly, why is that a problem? Just because it's not to the exact point that you described or the, that, that men have defined? Is that the, is that the issue? They're all, oh, well, then, gosh, uh, religion and, and, and science can't work because that, that's like, so is the problem that it's not a term that we defined in, you know, the what you how we think the world was made couldn't have happened in seven 24-hour days. Right. And, and 
and and I just I just have for me personally that's never been a struggle for me for me to look at it well what's a day to God what if a day to God is a hundred million years because he's God and he created it and yes we're trying to define it but I don't think God's up there going oh my goodness oh boy I hope they're uh, hope they don't understand that I mean I, I don't think God's up there worried about this at all you know so you know, it's, it's, you're, you're trying to, to decide, de define something based on solar cycles that we understand here on earth. And it's just like, okay, that's a man-made creation. So, you know, why are we, um, uh, and besides that, how, how about, let me throw it to you just this way. If we, if we as Christians believe that God is the creator of the universe, why are we making him so small? Why are we saying, oh my goodness, he couldn't have created the world in seven days. Really? Because he's God. I'm pretty sure he could do it. And he could probably use a big explosion to do it because I'll tell you what, if I could create something awesome and amazing by blowing it up, I would totally do that. And if I'm made in God's image, I bet he's cool with it too. Right? Right. Right? right. I, I think <laughs> now, for a lot, a lot of, like, like with specifically with like what Hugh Ross was saying, it wasn't necessarily that God couldn't have done what he did in seven days, but how we understand it, it makes sense that how we understand the universe working. And how we've yeah. seen other planets uh, form, how it's described in Genesis is fairly accurate. Like it's how fairly they, accurate. Yeah. Um, like and and like it, it says like Genesis one verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and people can kind of mis maybe misconstrue that and think just you know earth and sky and stuff. But in the context, the Hebrew words that means the totality of like existence. Right. The totality of existence. And yes. um, Hugh Ross likes to, uh, he put it so that, and then the rest, because chapter one, verse one, Genesis was just totality of the universe. Everything after mm -hmm. that is written from the perspective, like the point of view on earth, watching creation being made. Right. And so, it, you know, and then everything else, like when God, Right, like uh, now the earth was formless and empty, darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And so God saw that the light was good. You know, we, we see planets forming. We do see that they're like liquid and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they had an opaque um, right. atmosphere. So that means light didn't get through. That doesn't mean like light, like electromagnetic, whatever. Right. Right. It's that on the on the point of view that this is made, we couldn't see it yet. Yeah. And then it, well, you could see it because it eventually atmospheres turn translucent and then transparent. And when you think about the the tall the totalitarianity of time, when you know what um, yes, we're talking about solar cycles here on Earth, but you're not but when we're talking about God created a universe the little bitty solar cycles here on earth, boy, that's a pretty narrow minded kind of arrogant thinking that, okay, everything has to be defined exactly by what's here on earth. Cause that's where I live. What? No, if God's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. He seems to like earth a lot, but I don't think everything has to be defined by our little minute understanding of science. Matter of fact, as, as science has, as has increased and as, as our understanding of the world has increased, especially over, I mean, you think over the last 150 years, 
the difference in our understanding of the universe from from the late 1870s to now. I mean, we all of a sudden we understand that there's bacteria in the world, that there's DNA, that we've put people on a different planet. Whether you consider the moon a different planet or not, we we put dudes on rockets and shot them up there and they walked around. So there have been men on the earth who who have not been on earth. We got people sitting in satellites, you know, or not in satellites, but in space stations and satellites above the earth and all this kind of stuff. Our understanding of the universe, even since like 1950, in the last 70 years, has grown exponentially, exponentially. But yet, we still understand so very little. And I tell you what, uh, during this whole COVID situation, I think we've seen that very evident. Matter of fact, I was talking with, with one of my kids the other day that we are watching the scientific method in day-to-day true life right now. Because, you know, the scientific method is, you know, you, you, you get a hypothesis and then you, you try experimentation and then you, you look for conclusions and, you, you know, then sometime along the way it gets proven. Well, we're watching the whole world go through that with COVID right now. That we, well, what makes it happen? What, how do people get it? How do we avoid it? What do we do? You know, all this kind of stuff. And I'll tell you what, the scientific method is messy. And there's a lot of failure involved with it. And there's a lot of misturns and mistakes and going, you know what, this is right for right now, but this doesn't work now, you know, it doesn't work later. And we're watching that in kind of real form. And I'll tell you what, it makes people really, really, really uncomfortable. Because what we want is absolute truth. And we want to know this is truth and 100%. And the problem is when we look at science and religion, religious religious to there's religious truths and scientific truths you know i talked about this the other day and there's other faiths around the world that believe that you can have a religious truth and it has scientific truth and that both are true and that's okay i think where we get stuck especially in christianity sometimes is we think the relationship between religion and science has to be constantly at odds as opposed to going well you know what this is a spiritual truth and this is a scientific truth and they're both true they may not meld perfectly together but you can have two things that are true at the same time and they don't absolutely have to agree and for something to still be true we get very black and white when we talk about this uh um we talk about this and uh, the more i study god and the more i study faith and, and grace uh god works in a lot of grays too there are some things that are black and white but he 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 seems to be a fan of gray as well so um you and I talked about this in our phone call the other day. One of the best statements I heard in, in college when it came to understanding religion, and, and I was taking science classes and religious classes at the same time, and uh, one of my philosophy professors, who was an atheist, it was just like, you know, so many people try to use the Bible as a science book. Well, it's a terrible science book. It's, it's horrible as a science book. It's also a bad geography book, not a great history book. It's a book of theology. It's a book to understand God. That's its purpose. And if you try to use it for something else, it's kind of like if you try to use a math book as a history book. It doesn't work that well. It's not meant to be those things. Or if you try to use a physics book to explain, to explain astronomy to somebody, yeah, there's some correlations, but it really, it really doesn't work that well. We get in trouble when we try to take the Bible and say, okay, well, we're going to use this to define science and uh, because it's not meant to be a science book it's a book of theology it's a book to help us understand god but when we do understand god we start looking at the world through science through both scientific eyes and the eyes of faith dude 
your eyes just get, you, if, you, if you can't look up at the stars in the sky or look at the intricacies of a flower and go, my goodness, there had to be a creator in this. How could something this beautiful happen by random? You know, for me, that's a leap that I can't make. That's a much harder leap for me to believe that there is no creator and there's no governing, you know, governing hand, you know, kind of pushing things forward. That's a lot harder leap for me as a, as, as a human being, not even as a believer, as a pastor, as a human being to believe that, that there, no, nothing was there. Then all of a sudden nothing exploded, which that doesn't make any sense. Um, because if that's the case, why isn't nothing exploding right now? Because that would make your days a whole lot more exciting, wouldn't they? Um, if nothing was around you and all of a sudden nothing just went boom. Um, but it's at the same time, it's like we, uh, we, we try to make it so difficult. We try to make it so hard because we want those absolute truths that our little brains can handle. And uh, there's one thing I know, well, I should say, I, I'm going to quote the movie Rudy, which you probably haven't seen because you're young and I'm old. Got it. Okay, cool. Um, there's a pastor in the movie Rudy. He says, I know two things for true in the world. He's like, number one, that there is a God. And number two, that I'm not him. And I, I've, I've quoted that and used that statement so many times in my ministry life because I know that there is a God and I know I'm not him. And I also know uh, as a third that I'm not, I don't understand everything that God does because did I mention that I'm not God. I'm just Brent. Brent's a nice guy, but he's not God. I'm sorry, I'm totally on a long tangent there. I apologize. One of the things you were talking about was the complexity of life and the complexity of everything. And I, that was kind of, that was the next point. Uh, one of the objections that we have is um, evolution explains life, therefore we don't need a God. And we talked about this earlier. Um, and it's it's used a lot on the argument like if a can a tornado go through a junkyard and spawn just accidentally creates a working Ferrari or I think uh, Lee Strobel in his interview it was yeah. like a Boeing seven fifty seven or something right yeah that's the case for Christ yeah 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 um, yeah Lee Strobel's case for Christ yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's one of my favorite analogies whenever I've talked to someone who's just like, well, I believe that, you know, we all evolved from like single cell organisms. I was like, wow, that's, again, that's a leap. And you're saying that all happened by luck and random happenstance. That is the, uh, that is the, um, the tornado flying over a junkyard and assembling a working car. That's, that's just as logical. Then. And anytime I've ever brought that up, they're like, well, no, that can, no, a tornado can't fly over and build a working running car. I was like, then why would you think random happenstance would create, I don't know, us? Um, I do believe in adaptation, which yeah. is the understanding that, you know, people and animals will change over time. I think that's that's very well evident in the well, fossil record as well. As, that I mean, is precisely what Darwin found when he was on the Galapagos. Oh, yeah. Also how there's white people and black people and Asian people. Yeah. Clearly, that's evidence yeah. just in interactions with other humans. Um, what we don't agree with with like like I think some have used the term neo Darwinism or right. pro evolution, where a single cell organism turned into a multicellular organism and gained yeah. complexity. And one of the things, one thing with um, organisms and stuff is that they have to replicate, and um, when they replicate, they make the same thing. 
when bacteria replicates, they're making a copy of themselves. Right. When animals and humans uh, not replicate, but... You know, I knew what you meant. I knew where you were heading. Yeah. Um, you know, we merge and, you know, then whatever. But we still... That's how adaptation happens, but that does not... We haven't seen a case where that adds complexity. Yeah. Uh, one thing Darwin even said was something about if an, if there's evidence that an organ is present that could not have been evolved through thousands, millions, whatever, however many years of adaptations, then that really hurts my theory. Not mm -hmm. words, but essentially that so yeah you're you're paraphrasing because uh, i've read that statement too i think um but but the, the the your intent is absolutely correct yeah um i think i think what we see in in you know we tend to be such visual people and if we can't see it taste it smell it then obviously then it if it doesn't if it doesn't fit in that those those boxes that we think well this doesn't exist and um the problem with God is that that's not exactly how he works. And when you were talking earlier um, and we haven't really touched on this too much about like miracles and in science, um, you know, what 150 years ago or a thousand years ago, if someone was cured of a disease or an illness or whatever, people would have called that a miracle. Now we do Nowadays we go, well, you know, their body fought off the antibody, you know, developed antibodies or they, they fought off the bacteria or they were given drugs allowed to do this and everything like that. Um, honestly, I still look at things like, like that as miracles. If God gave someone the knowledge to create a, a vaccine or an antibiotic or a, a medication that would cure someone's or help someone deal with a symptom or something like that, how's that still not a miracle? Yes, it's science, but God gave that person an inspiration in their brain to create this thing that out of the blue can then change someone else's life for the better. It, you're, the definition of miracle is very broad. You know what I mean? Um, is a miracle simply, you know, something, Oh, we, something that happens that was good that can't be explained. Or if it's something that happens that was good that we can explain, but at the same time, isn't, isn't life a miracle? I mean, I'm, I'm a dad. I got two beautiful kids. And I'll tell you what, at both the days of their birth, I know that's science, but I'll tell you what, it's a miracle too. Or because there's so many things that go into that. Like just oh my gosh. normal life. It's just oh, yeah. so many, many things that go into that to cultivate into this moment that finally, yeah. wow, this, this finally came well, out and it worked. Well, and it not helped. only that, but some, you know, something came out and then it's like in, in – uh, uh, then it's a person and they're going to have thoughts and ideas. And this, this little three pounds of jelly that's in the, in our skulls, which still trips me out because if you were, if you didn't know anything about human thought, if you were an alien coming to the earth and dissecting a human being, you'd be like, I don't know what that does because it doesn't seem to be that important. It doesn't move blood around. It doesn't make the air thing move. It doesn't seem to filter anything. It's just, it's just there. Maybe it's just there to hold the space. And for some people, that seems to be the case. It's just there to hold the space. But I digress. Um, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sure they're, everybody's smart in their own way. But, but, <laughs> but I'm, I'm just being silly. Um, but seriously, though, if you, you know, the nature of a human being is in, is in their brain. It's in their heart. It's in their soul. And, just, and then we have these, 
ethereal things like heart and soul, not just our physical heart that pumps the blood, but like our soul and, and what makes us us. And that, dude, that is an absolute miracle. And if, and if true evolution was happening, then why doesn't my dog talk to me? Because it's had time. You know, why is, and why does my cat seem to still, you know, just, just be a cat? Why it's had time to develop dog-like tendencies. It's seen dogs. Come on. You know, but you know, we look at it and we go, well, you know, if, if you, let's just put it this way. If you, if you change your perspective and you start looking at every day as what it is, it's a miracle. Um, I've said it so many times in sermons and, uh, and, um, meetings with people the last couple of months, especially through, through COVID and the pandemic and people being locked down, you know, they're just like every day is so hard. You know, this is all these things are changing, you know, people losing jobs and people get sick and everything like that. And I was like, well, if you're here and you're listening to me, then your track record for surviving the problems of your life is congratulations. 100%. You got some skills at doing this. You might just make it. You know what I mean? Um, when we look at that, you know what, if you're here and you're listening and you and I are getting to have this conversation, how's this not a miracle right, right now? It, it, it really is. Miracles are defined by how you understand your, your, um, your view of the world. And sometimes that's as simple as, you know, the, the miracle that, you know, we woke up today because we didn't have to, you know, uh, there's, there's miracles every day. You just got to be willing to look for it and you got to open your eyes to it and don't let science and technology distract us from the fact that all science and technology is, is there to help us understand God in a bigger way. Right. And you know? like the more we've understood science, um, I, 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 this is neat because for a while people thought that the, like, that the universe just always existed, which doesn't make sense because if the universe always existed and this macro evolution and evolution stuff is true, then we should all be perfect because yeah. given that it's an infinite amount of time, we, we should have no problems. Right. But now, now that we have a better understanding of stars and that they have a lifetime, mm -hmm. you know, that helps they have a lifespan. The universe had to start. And this is where we kind of come back to the creation and like um, origin of life and existence of right. creation. Because it makes, with, when we further our understanding of science, like astrophysicists, like Hugh Ross, there is more and more evidence that points strongly um, in the Case for Faith interview, I think, oh man, it said that um, it's not just strong evidence, or I'm paraphrasing, it's not strong, sure. it's compelling evidence. Right. There is an intelligent creator because of all the things, like we said earlier, just normal life, there's already a lot of things that have to go into that. For the creation of life, like origin, there are so many things to go into that because you have to make, you have to get the right chemicals together. Then those right, right. have to come together to create amino acids. Amino, the right amino acids have to come together to create proteins. So many things. And it's not hard if there's something intelligent putting it. Right. Putting it together. Yes. And that's the whole thing. So, well, I, um, I'm going to get a little weird and scientific on you, but 
but isn't that what this podcast is about? We're cool. Um, yeah. Uh, when I was in, in college, we, you know, you take physics classes and we start, study the laws of thermodynamics. Okay. And I'm going to read you that definition because I had to look it up because <laughs> I, I can paraphrase it, but it's better if I actually give it to you. And it says it defines the physical qualities of, of things such as temperature, energy, entropy, which is the constant state of decay. And basically the laws of thermodynamics are laws. And, and there's a difference between a theory of evolution or a theory of this and a law. A law is something that we all agree on that, yes, that is true. And it works every time. So the law of gravity says that if I take this pen and drop it, it's going to hit my desk every time because I'm on earth. I will, I'll stop because that's annoying on a podcast, but, um, but for real, you know, the law of thermod, uh, the laws of, we, we agree that there's a law of gravity. We, we can agree that uh, Newton's laws of motion are active uh, and, and work. The, the first law of thermodynamics is it says that when um, it basically says that energy, when it passes in and out of a system or whatever, it has to define itself under those laws. So it's like if energy, it basically it's basically saying that energy and mass and matter and, and things like that can be manipulated, but they can never be complete. They can never be destroyed. And I, I explained this, you know, like so in some people, somebody, a, a piece of wood. Like if you're going to burn wood in your fireplace, um, that wood has a caloric value, a unit of heat that it can generate because of the cells and, and the way combustion works and all that kind of stuff. So it ha but when, when the, the wood burns, it releases its caloric value, but did the wood disappear? No, it turned into what? It turned into heat. It turned into ash. It turned into, uh, you know, carbon, basically, it went up in, in smoke and particulates in the air. So what it, it, the wood didn't disappear, it didn't vaporize, it just simply changed form. The first law of thermodynamics basically says that energy and matter or whatever can, cannot be created, nor can it be destroyed, right? So if it can't be created and destroyed, then where did it come from? And if that's a law of science, now we have a problem. <laughs> so, right. Now we have but, to go, like, this, that was, that's a natural law, and now we have to look towards a supernatural law. Which is a supernatural law. And for the believer, that's an easy question to answer. Well, if matter cannot be destroyed or energy cannot be destroyed or created, you know, it has to come from somewhere. Where did it come from? Well, for me as a believer, it goes, well, that's where God comes into play. Because remember the Big Bang thing? You know, he created the universe because he's God and cre can create it. You can't tell me that nothing was there and then nothing exploded and created the world and created the universe. That just, that, that does not seem to work with the laws of thermodynamics. The second law of thermodynamics is that everything is kind of moving. Okay. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing poorly and someone's going to re research and go, that's not what it says at all. They're right. But I'm paraphrasing poorly, like I said. But the second law of thermodynamics basically says that um, everything is moving. And if you look at our universe, you know, if, if you look at it from the point, well, they're like, well, it started with the Big Bang. You're right. And everything has been moving out since then. And every year, the Earth and the Moon get a little farther apart. It's not much. I mean, it's minutia, but it still happens. Every year, we get a little farther from the Sun. Every year, the universe expands. Well, 
if that doesn't prove that the, everything started from a from an explosion pushing out, I don't know what does. And number two, if we all agree that then there was nothing and then nothing exploded, well, if that doesn't define that there was a creator who said, wait a minute, we can do, you know, all of a sudden we were there, you know, we're there. Now the third law of thermodynamics talks about temperature getting to absolute zero. Not really important in this conversation, but there is a third law of thermodynamics and other ones have been suggested, but they're not laws. But I think when we look at the laws of science and, and we try to make them butt up against the law, not laws of religion, but the, um, the concepts of, in religion and miracles and religion and everything like that, I think that, I think we make it too difficult, you know? Uh, I've always been kind of a pastor who believes in the, uh, the kind of the, the kiss principle, if you know what I mean, keep it simple, stupid, you know what I mean? Um, and even, even when it comes to my faith and stuff, and a lot of people, they're like, well, I need to know more. I need to know more. I need to know more. I get that. And so study, but don't just listen to the things that tickle your ears. Because if all you ever do is listen to the same rhetoric or the same podcast or the same information that makes you think, well, that's what I believe. So it's okay. No, one of the things I've done throughout my ministry career is I look at both sides. I talk to atheists. I've talked to folks of different faiths. I've gone around the world and talked to people of different faiths. And I look at their understandings and sometimes their understandings of their, of their faith. I was like, Ooh, we as Christians should probably talk about that a little bit because these folks, and they may believe something different, but they believe it with their whole hearts because they've thought about it and they've really processed it. You know what I mean? Um, I think we can put a whole lot of, of emphasis on science and we should, Science is created by God, therefore it is beautiful and wonderful, and it's there to help prove God's, not only God's existence, but God's glory. And I think we can, but we also should remember that, uh, that when we study the Bible, we're looking at a book of theology and understanding God's heart, because the heart is very different than understanding just the mechanics. Lots of people can understand the mechanics of how a computer works or how even a person works. You know, how do we take food stuff that tastes good so that we want to eat it and put it in our stomach and it becomes electrical impulses. It makes our body work. I mean, that's when you think about just the human body and how we operate, number one, you think, wow, we're really inefficient because we require like sleep and food all the time. Water, goodness sakes, we're a pain. We are a pain in the butt, but we're also pretty amazing that we can take food, water, and just all of a sudden create art and music and everything else. I'm like, God knows what he's doing, man. And we're just over here like, you know, if, well, let's put it this way. If there wasn't a creator, if there wasn't somebody divinely behind, behind, you know, pushing us forward with their hand behind us kind of thing, um, why haven't we heard an amazing symphony from the, the horses of the world or the alligators of the world or anything else? Or why is, you know, I've seen elephants occasionally paint, but I really don't think they're really doing like portraits. You know what I'm saying? They're just kind of slapping around or you know, with a paintbrush or whatever. Um, God gave it to us as people to be able to understand him in a bigger way. And we can question it all we want, but it still doesn't. For me, it doesn't change anything in my heart or anything in my understanding. Not only is, is there a God, but science is there to prove that he exists. Okay. So I think to kind of sum up what we've gone over in response to miracles can't exist because they contradict science. To sum that up, basically, like with the miracle of the origin of creation and life, there's a lot more evidence that it happened 
Oh yeah. Think God did it. Yeah. You know that God did it. Then not just like there's a lot more evidence that Christ did resurrect mm-hmm. because of sequential like events afterwards. Yeah, and we didn't really talk about that for a moment, but uh, again, I heard a um, heard a, a professor years ago who basically when when it talks about when you talk about you know the evidence behind Christ um, behind Christ uh, uh, resurrecting everything that um you know you had disciples who were following Jesus and only one lived to old age that was John everybody else met just terrible deaths beheadings crucified upside down boiling boiled boiled in oil kind of things I mean just uh, multiple crucifixions stoned to death all these terrible ways to die um people don't tend to die for a lie right and that that is you, a big thing that i've read in like case for faith case for christ that is a big thing that they do say it's like if if this didn't happen why why were people willing to die horrible deaths for it yeah and well here's another another thought along this line Hey, Ethan, did you hear about that thing that happened in that little Middle Eastern town about like two weeks ago with a guy and there was a thing and he was upset and he got hurt? Did you hear about that? No. No, of course you didn't. Even with the modern day and age, do you know everything that's going on around the world? No. Of course not. Even with modern technology, and we, we know more about what's going on on the other side of the planet than ever in the history of mankind because through social media and satellites and everything else. But yet yeah, you don't know what happened to that dude. What's the thing? And that it was, un- it was unfortunate. It was uncool, right? No, you don't know because it wasn't important enough to tell you. Well, Jesus was crucified 2000 years ago and it has changed the course of history. It has changed the course of the planet to the point where even when we've gone off the planet, we have people who are praying. We have people who, are, who sing worship songs. We have people who, who, who marvel at the universe. When we sent satellites, or uh, uh, I guess the Voyager Prozac, they're not really satellites, though. They're more explorer, robot kind of things. But what do we include on there? Things like, in God we trust. It's a big enough deal that we print it on our money. It's a big enough deal that we print it on our license plates, you know, what happened with Jesus 2000 years ago should have been like, Oh wow. That dude who said he was a prophet and said he was the son of God. Oh, he got killed. All right. It's every, because there have been some other instances where people tried doing that stuff. Absolutely. And well, there were other people walking around saying that they were the Messiah when Jesus was walking around saying he was the Messiah, which is why some people were like, that's not the Messiah. That's Joseph's boy, the carpenter, you know? And, and that's the way, by the way, biblical people sound in my head. When, when they're questioning Jesus, um, that's just the way they sound. I don't know why they sound like carnies from the 1920s, but they do. But um, yeah, the, uh, the, the truth is there were other people walking around saying they were doing miracles and everything else, but only one of them came back. And that is big enough news that it, we're still talking about it, reading about it, and we have whole churches and videos and music and songs and stuff about it and amazing podcasts led by Ethan. 2,000 years later, people don't die for a lie, and people don't keep talking about something that wasn't true. Right. Exactly. If that's not, not evidence enough for you, I... Uh, right. So, to sum up, 
basically with miracles. It's like there's more evidence that it did happen because of the miracle than not because yeah. our conversation. And I don't know if it's just our conversation, but you know, some things just happen. Well, it's like I told you the other day, um, I've been in situations where I've seen people in the hospital that should have died and talk to their doctors, talk to their nurses and, the, and you know, their chances are nothing. And they're like, we're doing everything we can and we can't guarantee it. And, you know, I, I had an incident of you know, 10 years ago or so where, you know, a person was, was in really, they were in deep trouble. They, they, you know, the doctor was like maybe a 10% chance of living through the night. And I asked the doctor out in the hallway, I was like, are you a man of faith? And he's like, I am. I was like, can I pray with you? He's like, absolutely. And then 30 something days later, I'm eating dinner with this guy having pie. And the doctors have said he shouldn't have made it through the first day. But yet 30 days later, we're, we're at O'Charlie's. And I'm having the conversation with him going, you're supposed to be dead. And they can't tell you why. And he's like, well, why do you think? I was like, because God wasn't done with you yet. And you need to take that and use it. That's what I call a And I've seen it so many times that I can't help but believe in them. So anyways, I keep, you keep summing up and I keep adding on. I'm, I'm sorry. No, that's fine. I did sound like that with um, the last episode. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I, I realized now, and it was like, well, thanks for having me on the show. And I was like, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 I totally understand that. And. Well, this, this is a great topic and it's one that can't be really defined. And, and, you know, we've been talking for about 45 minutes or so. You really can't define this in 45 minutes. I've been studying religion, you know, as a, as a pastor for 20 something years and I still have lots of questions. And, and honestly, uh, it's the folks who don't have questions that scare me. Um, I think having questions about your faith and miracles and, and, and creation, everything like that are great, but research it and look at it from different perspectives and don't be afraid if what you initially thought was different or wrong, or if in the end you're going, well, I just, I don't understand because I don't know. Well, that's okay too. It's okay for us not to know. And I think one of the greatest things about our faith journey uh, and our, our love of God and everything else is that we trust God to be in charge and not us. Because when we trust God to be in charge, it's okay to not know. It's okay for me not to have all the answers because God does. And since I follow him and he's in, he's in charge, right, then I can still be okay with that. Now, I'm sure there are deeper and much more eloquent theologians that you could talk to, Ethan, to explain things. But... This is this is my understanding of it. I've been yeah, we had a great conversation today. Oh, would you mind praying yourself? I would be thrilled to. Father God, I just thank you for Ethan and Robbie and uh, for the A thirty two podcast and just for the uh, not only the fun that it brings but also just the deep conversation that can bring and and hopefully not only you changing the way someone thinks but also changing their heart and directing our hearts toward a closer and deeper and more fulfilled relationship with you. Lord, I thank you for the, I thank you not only for your word uh, to help us understand you better, but also the fact that uh, you let us have science to understand the universe and understand the world around us. And it's there for your glory and it's there for your honor. And, and Lord, I just, uh, I just, I praise you so much 
for allowing us to have a brain that we can sit here and ask these kind of questions. And even if we sit there and go, well, Lord, I don't know that you're not up there wringing your hands going, oh my goodness, they're questioning me, that you're still in control and you're still guiding us and you still love us even when we act like children. <laughs> Lord, we love you. We praise you in all things. We give you the glory. Amen. There's the stop recording.